Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast. The podcast that helps you stay outside with the Chicago Red Stars. It's your girl, Sandra. We're back with a Chicago Red Stars game day recap. It feels good to say it. It's going to feel good to talk about it, even though it was a 0-0 draw. There's a lot to get into here, folks, both pregame, during the game, postgame, all kinds of stuff. So I couldn't do it alone. No one could do anything alone. So I'm here today with my friend, homie, and colleague, Claire Watkins, AKA Scam Originator. Claire, how are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah, I'm really excited to have games to talk about again and uh, kind of uh, unwind this puzzle that we've got in front of us here and sort of dig into it a little bit because it's going to take a little bit. We're going to we're gonna put like our, our fact-finding investigative caps on and really just be like, so what? happened you know correct we're gonna hit y'all with some investigative uh post-game reporting for y'all because we know we know what our listeners come here for the truth and uh i mean let's just talk a little bit about the energy leading up to this game claire i mean i'll put myself on blast i was geeked i was like man it's game it's it was game day week and then all of a sudden the day started to go by and then all of a sudden hoy es el dia it was like a real good energy. It was nice, man. It was uh, it was nice to know that we were going to get to watch some Chicago Red Star soccer once again. Yeah, I mean, I think I said this. I was talking to to John Halloran uh, yesterday uh, on the Equalizer podcast. We were just you know chatting as we do before and after, and I was just like, you know, it's been interesting that I I watch the FAWSL. I've been watching UEFA Women's Champions League. Like I've been trying to keep up with stuff, you know, but for whatever reason, it just has felt like, I'm like, man, I just feel like I haven't watched women's soccer in like six months because it's just a little bit different. I think part of it is just, I know so much about this league. I'm invested in it. I, I, it feels kind of like all our friends are back, you know, and, um, it was really fun. I, I had a great time. I, it was, it kind of messed with my head a little bit that we had two games on Friday and two games and three games really on Saturday. Um, and then nothing on Sunday. <laughs> so I was just like, Oh, this happening. It's like, they're like, we got it. We're getting, we're not waiting for the weekend. We are getting this going. Um, but yeah, no, a big, big week of anticipation. I think we saw it not necessarily in this game, but in other games, you know, that the players were feeling it too. Some big, like us against Thailand energy of just like, we've been waiting to play for so long. Um, but yeah, I, uh, it was great. It was a, it was a wild, wild couple of match days, I think, but, um, not, not this game so much. This game didn't really fit in with that narrative so well. It was, uh, we took a trip to Sesame Street and uh, it was like, which one of these does not fit with the other? And turns out it was this game, y'all. But we're still going to show it though. We're still enthusiastic to to talk about a 0-0 draw because if you know us by now, we will find things to talk about. That's right. In a 0-0 draw. Uh, Feeling good, feeling great. The Chicago Red Stars had their first game away in Houston. It was billed as a rematch, the rematch of the 2020 Challenge Cup final where the Chicago Red Stars fell 2-0 to the current uh, Challenge Cup champions in Houston Dash. And a lot of the buildup to this game, again, it was built around that, narratives and storylines around it. Both coaches actually within their media availability uh, talking a little bit, not so much about that, but really the current state of their teams, Rory Dames talking a lot about the depth, that that's really what's going to be getting them through, not just the Challenge Cup, but really throughout the remainder of 2021. 
head coach James Clarkson talking about this is a new era for the dash. They're going to be the ones chased versus doing the chasing and having to do a little bit of a title defense, something that they've never had to do before. And uh, both teams really uh, missing significant players, more so the dash than the, than the red stars. Uh, but let's take a look at some of these starting lineups and, uh, and get our thoughts on them. We'll go with the, uh, the host first here, uh, to round out their starting 11. They had Lindsey Harris in goalkeeper, a question that we had wondered who was going to be getting that start in light of Jane Campbell being out. They had Ali Prysock. They had Katie Naughton. Shout out to the Chicagoland kid repping the captain's armband. Megan Oyster, Haley Hansen, Shay Groom, Gabby Seiler, Emily Ogle, Brie Vizali, Veronica Latsko, and Katie Stengel. Claire, let's speak on the hosts for a little bit. What did you think when you saw that uh, Dash lineup? Yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted this, but I got a real kick out of how all four center backs in this match were from Chicagoland. Um, Megan Oyster is from Naperville as well, um, though she, you know, obviously didn't quite spend so much time in the Red Star system, but um, I love that. I love that Chicago's uh, defensive prowess just of the region reaches far and wide, you know? Um, yeah, I thought it was about what we expected, right? We saw Ogle and Siler in the midfield. We saw Stangle and Vasali slide in on the outside um, and Latsko playing that center forward role. I, you know, not really, no huge surprises there. I don't think more just assuming that they were going to it's just you could see from both lineups probably and probably Houston's more than Chicago's that this was going to be a defensive battle more I think the thing that I said actually before the game started is just like I just really don't think either team wants to lose this game I think they really did neither team wanted to be on the losing end of this one so I think that both of them decided that play to the draw is maybe unfair but the first, the first like mode of business was don't lose and then maybe try to win. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total yeah. sense. It was a real, real vibe. I, I felt pretty prepared, honestly, I think when they dropped this lineup. I mean, shout out to Haley Snyder. We had her on last week to preview this match. And honestly, it felt like very little surprises when we took a look at that uh, Houston Dash roster. Um, you know, watching you know, seeing Groom, Siler, Ogle kind of like, you know, doing, you know, projected to do things in the mid together. I was like, okay, I hope their mid has a bad day against the Red Stars. Um, and yeah, again, just, uh, I think we were all feeling that vibe. I think those of us who go here anyway, we're like, look at all those Chicagoland center backs. It was like, it was made for us. It That's was right. made for those of us who go here. If you go here, you love defense, and uh, it felt right that there were Chicagoland center back pairings on both sides. And, uh, yeah, shout-out to Katie Naughton, man, who star just keeps getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And, uh, yeah, it felt real nice to see her rep that Captain Ben for uh, for Houston. For Chicago, let's take a look at their starting lineup and get our thoughts on that. They had uh, Cassie Miller in net, Aaron Wright, Sarah Gordon, Kayla Sharples, Casey Kruger, Morgan Gatra, Danny Colaprigo, Vanessa DiBernardo, Sarah Lubert, Katie Johnson, and Kalia Watt running out their starting 11. And uh, Claire, let's talk about this Red Star starting 11. I think, again, uh, not too, too many surprises. I think for, for giggles, I put that Zoe Morris was going to see some time in this one just, to, just because. Uh, but, I mean, again, not too many surprises, right? Yeah. 
in defense of, of you, <laughs> you nailed Keijo up top though. So I think that like, I think that for me, I, I was pretty sure Sharples was going to get the nod in center back. But when I saw your preview and you put Keijo up there, I was like, oh, maybe, you know, they had said some really nice things about Doniak in, in pregame as well. So I wasn't sure. Um, but yeah, she gets to start at the nine. I got fooled into saying something kind of dumb last week where I was like, I thought that Casey Kruger was on limited minutes. Um but it seems like she's fine. So, uh, you know, happy to see it. Honestly, happy to see it. Uh, yeah, but I, uh, it was great to see Kruger get that start. Yeah. Um, yeah. Similar vibe. I'm like, oh, maybe she'll come out, but, but she didn't. We'll yeah. get yeah. more into that. But um, dope to see Sarah Gordon hold down that center back pairing. For sure. Shout out to Grady's mama, Aaron Wright, got the start uh, outside back. And um yeah, I think um, we're going to get into this a little bit more, but Katie Johnson up top, I think, is a real vibe. For yeah. this. And uh, it's uh, real unfortunate that she had quite the game that she had and uh, no one was around to help score for her for that. But we'll get yeah. to uh, uh, Right now. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Right now, first game whistle, whistle goals, right? Whistle goals. And uh, it was <laughs> watching them line up. It was just kind of like, all right, let's go. I still was like, all right. Let's go. This is going to be, we were talking about it on the preview. We're like, it's going to be preseason vibe. It's going to take a second for this team to sort of establish their tempo, kind of build up a rhythm. And then it was like the first five minutes went by. And then all of a sudden we were ticking in that first quarter with the first 15 minutes. And then like Houston was also still trying to do some things. And right. they was like neither side was really establishing anything. Shout out to Morgan Gutra, Danny Colaprico, I think underneath that for me uh, in terms of first half MVPs, uh, trying to see the Chicago's midfield be, you know, try and dictate things in terms of their tempo for the team. But really the center back pairing, Katie Nodden specifically, right? Kind of recognizing that. And these were just sort of canceling each other out. It was real choppy, not in a chippy kind of way, but just, not really a lot of uh fluidity and uh, pretty soccer on this on this match day one right and the Chicago midfield was actually kind of interesting in that what we saw some in what we saw some at the tail end of 2019 and also what we saw some in, in 2020 in the fall series is Colaprico and Gatra kind of side by side doing kind of they would flip-flop kind of dual eight dual six but in this matchup, and I don't know if this is because of Sharples getting the start or if they were maybe learning a lesson from the attacking pressure that they got from the Challenge Cup final, but Colaprico sat pretty just squarely in that defensive, central defensive midfield space. Um, and so she was like a, a capital N number six um, throughout the match. And I thought she did a great job, but I do think that that sort of limited some of what she could do going forward. But that had Gatra, she was flying. I mean, I think that she had a great first half. I think she was the MVP for sure for Chicago. Um, I think that she, it was always interesting because sometimes it did mean that they got caught into that right idea, wrong player where there would be balls coming in and, and Gatra would be running on it. And she just, she's not pacey, you know, she's, she's a great player, but she's not the fastest player on their team. And so sometimes they would exploit gaps, but she couldn't quite fill them in time. And also um, the gap that Houston did have kind of where their number six is supposed to be, which makes sense considering the kind of green midfield that they were 
starting. Katie Naughton did a great job of stepping into that space. So I thought actually the game was more intelligent than it got credit for because yes, there was a lot of disruption of passing lanes and, and some of the ball distribution wasn't that great, but that also had to do with a lot of very intelligent zonal spatial awareness by both squads. So um, yeah, did a lot happen in the first half? No. Did either team really look great? No, but I think there was more happening there that was solid, especially in, and I've said this elsewhere in retrospect, watching the other three games, the defense in this game was so much. I mean, the part of the reason that the Saturday games were fun were because those defenses were leaky, you know? And so we didn't have that in this one. We just also didn't have, and actually this isn't even fair in the second half. I think that Chicago's attacking fluidity was fine. They just didn't get the shots, but, um, you did just didn't see a lot of attacking fireworks, but it's because teams attack weren't being given a lot of space. Um, and, and, and Houston had some, I would say that for me, you know, I, I always felt the most concerned I felt for Chicago was in those moments where Houston got kind of in behind and had maybe these one V one battles with Chicago's center backs with like Sharples or Gordon. Yeah. But and this is truly no disrespect to that front three of Stengel, Latsko, and Vasali, but they're just not as dynamic as, as their projected starters. And so Chicago was able to really clean that up pretty well, which is how you end up with a nil-nil draw. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's, uh, it's just, it almost just sort of felt like watching it, it almost just sort of felt like, okay, any, any minute now. Right. Someone's going to do something. Any minute, you know? yeah. Someone's going to hit like, that's what it yeah. felt like. And then, right. then, and then that just never uh, happened. I mean, yeah. and, and in fairness to, to Chicago, I mean, we don't, yes, we're talking a lot about the defense because it's shocker, right? That's what we, that's what we do here on this, uh, on this podcast sometimes, but you know, I mean, they exchanged a couple shots early, you know, uh, let's go and, and, um, and Wad and, you know, we talked, we touched very quickly and, on somebody like Katie Johnson sort of being that target for them and, and sort of watching her movement off the ball, uh, trying to get involved, you know, within that top line. And, you know, the, the Reds are setting into halftime, you know, and obviously at the end, the conclusion of the game as well, but even just heading into halftime sort of led a little bit in certain statistical areas of offense, you know, whether it was just like general shots and like the one shot on target that they had against them ahead halftime compared to Houston's zero. Did, he, you know? did Houston finish the match with a shot on goal? I believe obviously, so. you know, people, people will remember the off the actual goal that was called offside, but that obviously doesn't count in the stat sheet. Yeah. So I just didn't know. But I mean, it. like, like we, you had had Kayla Sharples as a player that you were right. impact. And I mean, again, and I had Kalia Watt and I, I loved her movement, you know, and yeah, really there was this really great moment in the first half between the two of them where that's true. Kalia was out wide whips in this cross and Kayla Sharples is, is in a good position. She gets herself in a good position and, and it, it wasn't a goal. And if, and if it would have went in, Oh my God, what a highlight of a goal. She got a foot on it and almost would have been like a, a volley esque type of goal. Yeah. From, from Sharples, uh, but it just, you know, it just was saved, you know, by, by Harris on the other side. But there were some, there were some things, right, happening for this team. They were trying to click, but it just, uh, again, we just knew this first game coming into there were going to be some moments. Yeah. But, and someone else, I think that we also need to shout out besides our player, 
our players have an impact. We got to shout out Grady's mama. We got to shout out. That's right. Aaron Wright and her first game back. Yeah. She earned the very first yellow. Sure um, did. Challenge cup in the 26 minute. <laughs> It was quite a moment. Yeah, I did a poll. I did a poll on our Twitter and I said, do you think that Aaron Wright getting the first yellow card of the season made Nikki Stanton and I would put proud or jealous? <laughs> and it was about 50-50 and I agree. Probably a mix of both. Probably, um, probably a mix of both. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, Sharples, I do think legitimately, I, there's a great photo on ISI if you if anybody enjoys kind of browsing through all the ISI photos. There's a great photo of, of Sharples and, and Gordon kind of just like telling each other good job at the end of the match. And it's real tall and small vibes. <laughs> it's very cute. Um, so Sharples does have the ability, especially on set pieces to be kind of a dynamic player in the attack, just because of her physicality. She's a tall, tall player. Um, and yeah, I think that they had good moments. I think the other thing we have to talk about in this game is that both goalkeepers had a great game. There was both yeah. of their first NWSL starts and, um, they were calm. Honestly, honestly, dude, I think Cassie Miller, I think Emily Boyd watches that Cassie Miller performance and goes, Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I thought that she caught some balls that some other keepers would give rebounds on. Um, she was very confident with her footwork and with her distribution. She did some weird, like there was a moment in the second half where she did some odd little time wasting. And I'm like, it's zero zero. You don't have to do this, but I like it. Uh, energy, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Besides her decision making, yeah. right? Her, I was also impressed by her distribution a little yeah. bit. I was um, really impressed with just her uh, her presence. Very calm. And yeah. Very very calm. Uh, just sort of really playing the role as like an experienced. Yeah. And it was uh, it was dope. And it, yeah. Like, for this type of game. Right. Know? You know, yeah. but uh, since we're getting into the second half, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, the Red Stars did close out a uh, majority of the offensive stats. I, I took a quick glance at the first half stats, but they uh, they outshot Houston in the first half, five to one. They had mm -hmm. one on target, one to zero, you know, to Houston. Houston did edge them just a tiny bit in terms of possession. It was split 53 to 47, but obviously the Red Stars were making the most. Yeah of their time with, with the possession, it just wasn't, uh, just wasn't super going anywhere. And then they, uh, had more of the corners two to one. Um, so I think looking at something like that statistically for this team, I think you're going into the second half, it's first game of the challenge cup. You're like, there's not going to be substitutions. It's right, not right. that type of no. urgency for this game. Uh, this was, we, you know, we knew we were probably going to see this lineup go back out there again and, and get another crack at it and try to get things rolling. And, uh, they did. It felt like it. I mean, they 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 came out and I saw that midfield again, man. I, I was really high on on Gatra and Colaprico for the yeah. first time. I tweeted that. That was like, oh, they were my first half MVPs. And then for Houston, it was like uh Siler and Naughton, right? Siler um, did have a great game. Yeah. Yeah, I thought she very was solid a player great presence yeah. for, for their midfield on on this day. Um, I just think that 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 pairing the rotation between uh Cola Pickle and Travel was just a little just a little bit kind of edged that out a little mm -hmm. bit um and really kind of I don't want to say she was completely isolated but Shea Groom I think had a little bit of a frustrating game yeah you know and uh she was frustrated by yeah. heavy field which is good <laughs> yeah I think if, if you're Chicago and and you look at who Houston has available I think you can feel comfortable saying 
we're going to make Vizali beat us. We're not going to make Groom beat us. So I think that they they made some calls on that. And obviously having Wright and, and Kruger both available on the outside helped a lot with that as well. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, moving into the second half, there's kind of, you know, Chicago, they do this. They do this. They did a push. They do a push sometimes. They pick they pick their quadrants of the game and, and they push. And they really went for it in the first 15 minutes of the second half. Um, it was very hot, muggy you know, there was always going to be a limited amount of time that they could really try to press for a goal. That's when they chose to do it. Um, kind of empty the tank for that starting 11 and they got some good looks. Honestly, I think if you guys go back and rewatch that first part of the second half, you'd be like, Oh, this isn't as dire as I remember it being. Um, it is still though. And I think we should, we should talk about this, frankly. Um, it's still an issue of, there was some, there were some issues of touch, some touch issues. Hopefully those will resolve themselves. Um, but the issue with this midfield, this shooting midfield is that they don't shoot. And I think that we need to, I don't know where the goals, again, you talk about like, you need this person to have 10 goals. You need this person to have eight goals. You need this person to have four. You need this person to have to put together an attacking package for an entire year after this game, I still don't know exactly where that's coming from. I thought Katie Johnson did well in that central forward position, but she is way more comfortable back to goal than facing goal. And so she needs someone to play off of. And she wasn't quite getting that. She got caught in isolation. She, and the counters, that's the other thing. The counters for Chicago were kind of slow. You would have, you know, Johnson get the ball. She would have Advent, you know, Houston still recovering. If she had had anyone with her, they would have had a really good look, but she didn't. And uh, Luber and Watt at that point were just like a little bit slow to recover. And then you're back to like a four on three and, you know, chance is gone. So how do they pick up the pace when those opportunities present themselves? And how do they turn what is not a bad passing fluidity, whatever, into actual shots on goal? Um, because they didn't execute well enough to hold the ball forever. So they would usually inevitably lose possession a lot of times without even really getting a shot off or even a block or maybe a block shot. So that's, I think the big project, maybe not of the challenge cup, but getting into the regular season. Cause that has to improve. It has to get better. Yeah, absolutely. It was, I mean, again, we're talking about the little things that right. we we're going to find to talk about that, that first 15 minutes out of the second half. Um, seeing that flurry, there was a lot of chaotic moments in the box at one point. Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit of bad luck too, right? I was going to say, yeah. like, you know, seeing Katie Johnson have all these really good ideas, yeah. right? And then just not having anywhere to go. And I'll put myself yeah. on blast. I'll, I will do that. I will absolutely put myself on blast. I have no problem doing that. But there were moments where you're seeing these really good ideas, right? And I think you and I could both agree and we're like, oh, girl, Sam and Yuki are not here anymore. Um, I said alone in my apartment. She did that little back heel flick, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, bro, Sam's gone." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Man, I, I was like, you love to see it. Yeah. You love to see it." And it would have again a lot of great ideas, right? Yeah. Uh, which we're seeing in this first game. Obviously, they're going to go back and look at a lot of this stuff, and hopefully, they can kind of clean up some of those yeah. things. And you know, watching them exert all of that energy eventually meant that the substitutions were probably going to come and they did a little bit just sort of past the hour mark we did see Mackenzie Doniak come in mm -hmm. uh, for Sarah Luber uh right around the 67th minute and then later on we saw Sarah Waldmole come into play uh, and she 
subbed in for for Katie Johnson. And it was interesting hearing, shout out to Marissa Pillow for the sideline reporting and and sort of hearing that, that the whole point of getting somebody like Woldmo into the, the match was her ability to sort of pick out passing lanes and being able to feed balls through and stuff like that. So, I mean, at, at that point, you're talking the 73rd minute, there was a lot of, uh, still to this point, a lot of disjointed passes going on. Mm-hmm lack you know lack of or not lack of but choppy play in general and um seeing seeing Di Bernardo kind of get out a little bit more getting you know more involved in what was essentially like wing play yeah was uh, interesting for this final 15 minutes yeah they uh I kind of loved it actually I love that they brought Wolmo on I mean you have to play to the depth that you have obviously um and I think they had already played fresh, you know, fresh legs for the attack when they brought Doniak on. And I think you do. I think you bring Wilmo on and you push everybody else forward. You go into this 4-4-2 and you try to execute basically this same game plan better. Um, and one good thing, because I know a big concern for, for Chicago fans watching this is, you know, you know who Houston's getting back, right? A lot of people. Uh, Chicago is getting fewer people back. However, you know, Julie Ertz is not going to score a ton of goals for Chicago. Um, so she, she's, she'll score some, maybe I, I have more faith in it than some other people, but um, what she and Davidson will bring when they return is that, is that link up, right. Is the ability to distribute the ball and set things up in a way that, uh, helps and then I also just you know and this keeps going back to and I know I know you have a piece you have something to say about this Sandra um still we're still looking for someone to be kind of empowered to take the Ertz role on of telling people kind of what to do and because there's a lot of really trying to be collaborative play it's too nice it's it's just something where you need someone to be like you're going there you're going there run, go, you know, and, and I think that you, you identified someone who you think, um, could be that person, or you were like, this is the person who is already doing this, but maybe want to see a little bit more of it. I don't know. Am I reading? Yeah, that right? I think it was, I think it was funny. I think it sort of came off the heels of, uh, us watching this game. It's so yeah. funny. We weren't watching it together, but we were absolutely watching yeah, right, it. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like so funny. Um, but you know, we didn't, recognized immediately off the bat like who was captaining the team on, on, yeah, on the pitch this day. and a huge part of that is because sleeves sleeves is... are so big the new sleeves are massive and so the armband the armband uh, got lost yeah you gotta have all that sleeve for the for the new uh sponsorship that's right uh so it wasn't sd bernardo she was rocking the the captain's armband you might have missed it because it was uh hanging underneath that that sleeve there and uh, that's not that's not new, you know. Vanessa Vanessa Di Bernardo has, has been a captain of this team for for quite some time. Um, she's typically worn the armband in moments like this, right, where uh, there are players who are missing for international duty, and you know, someone like Ertz being gone, also Listener, who's kind of that secondary captain as well. Mm-hmm. Both being gone meant that that responsibility uh fell to her so that's not that's not new that's not something that we we haven't seen but watching the play on this day and in this game in particular it it brought back some some moments and some feelings of you know when we were were back in prior seasons watching stretches of games for the red stars where we were like who is going to yell and point 
who is going to grab somebody by the scruff of the neck and say, yeah, no, no, I said here. Yeah, right. And uh, I loved seeing, and we'll get more into this right now because we participated in some um, post-game media availability after this game, which I think just pretty much for me solidified and cemented that for me. But I was like, I think it's got to be Danny Colabrico. Be- yeah. Not that I think it's got to be Danny Colabrico, but because it is Danny Colabrico. Right. And sort of watching her play uh, and her movement during this match and sort of watching her body language throughout mm-hmm. the game. This is a player who mm, prior to 2021 and 20 and 2020 last year, really, um, maybe during the stretch of 2017 to 2019 had to deal with a lot off the pitch in terms of uh, fitness and injury and combining those two things to sort of make sure that they like coexisted at the same time. Right. And she had to do a lot of multiple comebacks at one point be like, okay, like, so here we go again, we're going to rehab. We're going to get through this or play through it, you know, make those decisions for herself, whether she could or was able to play through things like that or not. And something has happened over the course of the last two seasons or so where she's kind of finally get, gotten her place in being comfortable and able to play for long stretches of time for the Red Stars, right? Which I think any pro athlete will tell you only kind of gets harder to do as you get older. But for Danny Colaprico, it's maybe a, feels like a little bit of the opposite. And maybe that's a huge part of it is having some of the time off or having significant stretches of weeks off, stuff like that. And watching this this game i loved seeing the body language and the reaction and the vocalization from somebody like colaprico and it's necessary in a team like the red stars who we have seen have a history in the past during these moments where there isn't that one symbolic person who is the yeller the pointer the grab you by the scruff of the neck putting you here and saying no 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 this is where I told you to be. So uh, it was, it was a good midfield dynamic for me uh, personally to watch. I was like, okay, I like the energy, but I was particularly picking up um, more from what I was seeing from, from Cola Prico. And I think that that really is her. Yeah. I think um, one of the joys of watching the red stars consistently is when you are in the first 15 minutes of a game and something happens. And I feel like I've sent this text to people multiple times, like throughout the seasons, but that moment where you go, Oh, Danny's up for it, you know? <laughs> and then you're like, yeah. It's so funny because we're like, okay, who's going to be, who's going to do it? Who's going to, yeah, right. who, who is going to be that bitch? Nobody wants to be that bitch. Who's yeah. going to be that bitch and be like, okay, girl. And let me just pull you over to the side here and be yeah, like, right. girl, girl, it's, you're not it today. Yeah. Right. Like, who's going to hurt somebody's feelings? And it's so funny because it's like, uh, it's going to be you, the shortest yeah, person. On that's right. Exactly. <laughs> it's funny. Um, but I like the energy and uh, the game closed out the way that it was being played throughout the whole 90 minutes. The game ended 15 out. minutes early, to be completely honest. It just, yeah, it closed yeah. out in zero zero draw, you know, even with Houston, you know, making some small attempts of their own, primarily through Veronica Latsko. But, you know, they also made their own substitutions. We'll, we'll shout out uh, Tata Malazzo. She got to feature in this game as well, very late uh, to sub on for for Aaron Wright, who who went a whole 87 minutes. So congrats to her and really the both of them. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, stat-wise, stat you know, for this, this match, watching them go through that second half, they absolutely, you know, I'm sure when they got these stats, they were like, 
they rolled their eyes and they were like, really? Because yeah. they built on all of their statistical areas. And right. no, Claire, Houston did not record a shot on Cole. Of their there three, yeah. Yeah. three shots, they recorded zero on target. For the Red Stars, they only upped their shot total to 11 and then got two attempts on target. And then ultimately uh, really sort of leveled out that possession as well. Yeah, right. They ended up edging out Houston in that. So they ended up winning back possession during that second half. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and the XG, the there's a really cool data viz, uh, uh It's on my Twitter. I retweeted it. But uh, Chicago's XG wildly outweighed Houston's by the end of that match. And that went up exponentially in the second half. They yeah. should have, they should have gotten all three points from this one. You know, we're frustrated because we know that they can, they could have, they really could have and should have. Um, and I think that, that echoed one. a little bit. I think. Uh, Cause one would have been enough. One goal would have been enough. Yeah. This was that type of game, right? Yeah. That type of game where it's just like, you know, you just need one and yep. that's enough and you can get into your defensive shape and sort of yep. pull it out and do what you do. Yep. So the rest of our defense does. So it just, uh, I think that all of those sentiments sort of echoed and trickled over into the the post game. Not that it, not that I'm alluding that it was heated or anything like that, but no. we participated in media availability after this game, and uh, we were allowed access to uh, head coach Warrior Dames, Danny Colaprico, and Casey Kruger, all so, at the same time. All at the same time. So it was yeah. lovely to see the the trio all at once. <laughs> um, but you know, this this is it was <laughs> these three particular people that we had access to. I mean, we're talking about a coach and players who have been a part of the Chicago Red Stars for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Rory Dames entering his ninth NWL season as head coach of the team. Danny Colabrigo being with the team since 2015. Casey Kruger since 2016. They have been a presence when you're talking about Red Stars culture and you're looking at the point at people. You tip you. These are names that you hear. Yes. So being able to have access in both game and and meeting with these folks after the game, they definitely were not happy with yeah. that draw. Right. Uh, it was a, for me, it was a good, a great energy. It was like, I thought I'm not going to front. There have been moments in the past in covering this team where maybe a result like this happens and you hear a certain amount of verbiage, which might tell the line of like, oh, you know, have, happy to get a result. Right. They were not happy to get to lead points. And like, it was nice to sort of have that vibe. Uh, it was, a for me, I love to see that type of response. I like to see that type of energy. Um, they they know. They know even without probably having at that moment, you know, they, they're just coming off the pitch. So at that moment, they're not really having a lot of access to stats. Obviously, they haven't run back any tape to go. Over. I think Rory was looking at the stats on his phone. <laughs> Yeah, see, yeah, yeah. just know in the back yeah. of your head that they should have got something out of this. Yeah. Do it. And uh, shout out to Danny Colaprico because she was definitely on that call like, yeah, we're here. And yeah, was, here we are. It was mm-hmm. not enough. It was mm-hmm. not enough. And it was, again, it was great energy. And like seeing her in that moment, it solidified it for me. I was like, oh, it's you. Yeah. You're the one that's going right. to be bitch. I can't wait to continue to see it through this, uh, through this challenge cup. And uh, of course, being in Houston, uh h is for hot and it mm. was there was a lot of uh, heat and humidity and uh obviously the red stars uh, had to contend with that as well and there was a very funny uh on the pitch moment between the two veterans in kruger andy bernardo and of course claire yeah doing due diligence as 
a Chicago Red Stars reporter uh, asked about that in the post game. What did you do, Claire? Well, <laughs> this is also just like, this is how my brain works is that I categorize these useless facts. But I had seen, there was some piece of content. I, I think it was like a video that Morgan Gatra and Vanessa DiBernardo did where they talked about how DiBernardo has these mustard packets for games. And I think Katra was actually making fun of her a little bit. Cause I think at one point, like in a game, she was having trouble, like getting it open or something. And she's like running after the ball and like trying to open her mustard packet. But um, yeah. So I remember reading that and she said it was good for cramps and on the stream, you could see very clearly Casey Kruger goes down with a leg cramp and Vanessa DiBernardo runs in, you know, they're stretching it. And then DiBernardo runs in and very clearly hands Kruger a yellow mustard pack that she downs and then just like quickly swallows and then she's good she's good to go <laughs> and so I just and and I just tweeted about it because I was like yeah oh yeah it's uh, it's the mustard packet and that seemed to shock that was a lot of shock and awe from the fan base about that but yeah I wanted to ask about it because not a lot had happened in the game so I was like well that happened in the game um so I asked Casey Kruger I had her I had her confirm that it was in fact, mustard. And uh, what she said is that uh, Vanessa had done research online about this, um, that there's something that cramps are as much neurological as they are physical. It's like a, it's a brain response to dehydration. So if you can distract and divert that neurological response, that can help with cramps just as much as stretching or hydrating. Um, And it takes like a little shock, a little shock to the system. And people have identified mustard as being good for that. Though I think you could do, I think they said like chili, chili powder, like chili sauce works too, or any kind of just quick, quick hit of spice. Though I understand why they pick mustard because it's not like too spicy. You're not running around with like a hot mouth or whatever afterwards, but- um, I guess it just depends on your spice ratio. So yeah, that's true. It just depends on- That's so true. are going to have that Louisiana. I love the idea. Someone someone tweeted at me, like you just have these little packets of, of like sriracha that you can just like squeeze into your yeah. mouth and you're just like, there you go. Um, so yeah, so people, if you want to, if you were looking for a quick, a quick fix for cramps, apparently that'll do it. Um, so I learned something during the game. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so I don't know. I think it all just, you're right. It just depends on, on people's personal choices, but, uh, or personal preferences, but yeah, the, the red stars, they're all in on, on the mustard, on the mustard game. So, um, uh, it was, it was quite dope. You, and it also just how indicative of like what that match was that I was like, you know, Rory talked a little bit about the, uh, the attack. Danny talked a little bit about the midfield. I was like, yeah, let's talk about the mustard. Cause I don't, <laughs> let's just talk about the mustard. Yeah. There's not a whole lot here. Let's just let's just get to let's just get to the kind of beats. Um, yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't a lengthy uh, pulse gamer by any means, um, but not without reason. Uh, everyone <laughs> saw the game that they played. They played the game that they played, and we just recapped it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we want uh, before we transition into our preview of next week, in which Chicago is going to go ahead and. Um, host their first Challenge Cup match against Portland Thorns. Uh, we have to wrap up uh, this Houston match. And unfortunately, we have to do that by acknowledging some, not so much in the post game, but like uh, post day mm-hmm. um, information coming out of this game. Uh, so Red Stars defender Sarah Gordon recently tweeted out a incident that occurred uh, during the post game 
at BBVA Stadium with the Houston Dash, and uh, she tweeted a thread. So just not to confuse or twist any words, I'm just going to go ahead and read this um, this very short sort of uh, three to four tweet thread. Um, so she tweeted as follows. My boyfriend came to our game against Houston Dash, and after he came down steps to talk to me, we were immediately, before he was close to me, followed by security and told he would be arrested if he came close. Meanwhile, white players were talking to white family all over the stadium. At first, I didn't realize this was a racial issue until I saw white Houston Dash players surrounding the stadium talking closely to their family and we were the only ones targeted. I asked the security guard why he was only talking to us. He said he would go to them later. He never approached any of them. These players have multiple photos with their people. This is just another reason why we kneel. So uh, upon reading that, I think, Claire, I think you and I both tried to amplify that, right? Yeah. As soon as it came out. Uh, but upon upon reading it, um, I you know, just beyond frustrating I'm, I'm i'm reacting to this i think this is the this is the moment just for listeners knowing this is the moment where we are reacting to this ourselves personally um reading that it was incredibly frustrating um i think my first reaction initially personally was it's literally the first game of the season. Right. And the reason why I said that is because when you have covered this league as long as we have, you unfortunately know that there is a past history right. in this league in which Black players, and by extension, Black players and their families. Sometimes their children. Literally their children. Yeah. Uh, have been victimized yeah. in post-game situations and have felt uncomfortable or unsafe. And that's why that was literally my first reaction. I said, it's the first game of the season. Mm-hmm. Because I wish that something like this was tweeted out and be to be shocked by it. But it, we're in this very, very sad position where people like us are not because of prior incidences and prior histories with players and their families or their children, um, having these very uncomfortable, albeit unsafe interactions um, in post-game scenarios. And um, obviously it got a lot of attention um, because Gordon felt uh, safe enough to put that out there and acknowledge it. And, that stuff gets amplified, whether it was by those of us in the media, uh, other people who follow their favorite players, right? And uh, because of that, the Houston Dash uh, issued a statement of their own, and it was read as follows. Following last night's match against the Chicago Red Stars, a number of Houston Dash players violated league COVID-19 protocols by visiting with their family members in the stands. We are aware of comments made by a player from Chicago this morning, and we would like to assure her and the Red Stars organization that our staff was entirely focused on COVID safety, and we apologize to her and the club for anything that may have created an impression to the contrary. 
In response to this situation, the team was addressed this morning at practice, and we are reevaluating our policies to ensure that a situation as the one that occurred last night does not occur again. So reading that, uh, I think also frustrated a number of people, right? Um, I think my response to that was that this was a statement that misses the mark and doesn't address the concerns of the player and still centers um, white players and, and white families. And um, it, was, it was disappointing to say the least. And I also just added on that I hope that they ensure that there's uh, you know an, an investigation going on because that wasn't released in their statement. It still right. left things open to interpretation. And I think when you're trying to address something that a player has expressed concern over, you want to leave little room for interpretation, right? right. So unfor unfortunately, that was not me there. Uh, um, shout out to Eddie Kosova, who's doing her due diligence as a yeah. local Chicago Red Sox reporter, reached out to the league. And so the league actually gave confirmation that that is being investigated. So it didn't come from the dash, it came, it came from, from the league. Right. And, uh, to sort of uh, add additional bit of information before we really sort of dissect this and, and, and go into it. Um, shout out to Red Stars assistant coach, Scott Parkinson, because after this statement was released, he provided additional context of his own. And he said, it's followed. Um, after, oh, after our game last night, I was leaving the field and was told by one of our players that they were concerned about Sarah Gordon being in a situation with a Houston Dash employee and the players seemed concerned for Sarah's safety. I decided to go see what was happening. As I made my way to the situation, I noticed that there were other players with other fans and family, just as Sarah was. It seemed to me that Sarah and her three black friends were the only ones being addressed in this way and it was extremely upsetting. I was angry and gave the staff member a piece of my mind. I told him to leave them alone and to deal with everyone else the same way. He was arrogant and didn't seem to care, honestly. As we left the field, I was pointing, I was pointing to him to deal with the other players interacting with other fans, but he wouldn't. He was arrogantly telling me, I can't hear you. I can't hear you because I was shouting at him. As we left the field, a black woman who was in the stand told me something along the lines of, quote, that was messed up by that guy, end quote. In the moment, my instincts told me they were being unfairly treated because of the color of their skin. I wasn't upset that it was one of our players. I was upset that the only people being harassed were people of color. Claire, I've mentioned a little bit personally how I uh, reacted to these things and how disappointed I am and uh, really disheartened, quite frankly, by all of this happening. Um, so not only would I like you to be given the space to give your own thoughts, feelings, and perspectives on it, but uh, you also uh, wanted to take note of something that was important within Scott's statement. So I just want to- Yeah, sure. Yeah, so let's go back to, going back to what Gordon said. Um, I agree. I agree with Sandra that I am happy that we are in a place where a player feels comfortable giving this statement. And I think she also got some flack for it online. I think she had some people try to argue with her. She got some people making comments about that. Um, I think that that is due to the ability for her to have that platform and to say that is due to the advocacy specifically, if you think about the organizing of the black women's player collective, um, 
of how we are trying to do better at identifying incidents and calling them what they are, right? That is something in the NWSL that might not have been true a couple of years ago. So I, I am, I was happy to, to see that she felt safe enough to say that, um, immediately wanted to amplify it and take it very seriously because obviously, um, a lot of microaggressions happened in that incident, but the, the one that simply cannot be accepted is that a black man was threatened with arrest for no reason. That is incredibly serious. Um, the second, you know, the second statement by Houston was so frustrating to me um, for a number of reasons. One being, like Sandra said, that they ignored the main issue. They seemed, they basically said, I'm sorry you felt that way. Um, they felt like they could project some sort of objectivity into, you know, quote unquote objectivity that supports the other view of, of against what Sarah was saying. Also, um, and this is a, this is huge to me. I don't understand. And I know that this is sports. I know that it kind of is what it is, but when your inability to want your opponent to have a good experience in your stadium overrides player safety and turns into racially racist, I mean, you just call it what it is, right? Micro and macro aggressions. What are we doing here? Okay. This isn't about, I'm sorry, this opposing player didn't feel welcome in our stadium. This is way more serious than that. And we have seen those issues at a number of different clubs in the league where basically their MO is to kind of shake up, shake up the opposition. We don't want them to have a nice time. We don't want to give them the nice things we give our team. But then it's, but then it turns into these situations that obviously it then turns into dangerous situations for the most vulnerable people there. And that is unacceptable, completely unacceptable. And this is why when we talk about these things, and there are a lot of fans and other writers who have said this more eloquently than I can, but this is when you whittle it down to, this is about the health and the safety and the lives of these players and their families. And it's not about soccer and you cannot act like it is. And I think that that is where this dash statement missed the mark so badly for me. Um, I'm like getting upset just talking about it. Moving on to what Scott said. I thought, I'm glad that Scott, I mean, Sandra, Sandra has talked about this before. And, and this is where I want to kind of talk about um, the idea of active allyship and um, even just bystander intervention. I did actually take the um, Asian Americans Advancing Justice Chicago bystander intervention training last week. And that is partnered actually with um, the Council on American Islamic Relations. So that kind of comes from a wide, a wide breadth of of people who are trying to make the world a better, safer place for everybody. And a lot of that applies to any time you see some sort of harassment um, that is unfair based on the way a person presents or, or, or looks. And I thought Scott's statement did a good job of explaining some of the ways that if you see this kind of thing happen in front of you and you are a person of privilege who can maybe intervene because of the color of your skin or your position of authority, how you can do that. Thing number one, uh, you saw delegation from a teammate. A teammate saw what was happening 
and maybe didn't feel like they could intervene, but went and got Scott because Scott is in a position of authority. He's also a cisgender white man. Um, you saw Scott go very direct. That is not the only kind of intervention that exists, but it is one. He, from his position of authority, was able just to walk right up and say what was happening and confront people. You also had the fan who stopped, waited, watched, and then said, I saw that and wanted, I want you to know that I saw that happen and you are not alone in this. And that was messed up. And those are all three really good examples of how if you see something like this happening, and I know that NWSL fans care very deeply about maintaining safe spaces, safe, welcoming, inclusive places for everybody. I recommend taking the training. It's free. Just find one that works for you. Um, but that's a good example of how those people all took different tactics, actually, to make sure that Sarah and her friends were safe. And I thought it was very cool to see that from those individuals. And it's not really like a prop sort of a thing, but it's like, this is good. Let's talk about the tools that we have available to us to react to these situations as they're happening, because it's very easy to freeze. It's very easy to get overwhelmed or to worry about safety. And, and people's safety is also important. Do not put yourself in an unsafe situation or escalate. So that's where like that idea of making eye contact with somebody, just watching. Just being like, hey, I'm right here. I'm not doing anything, but I am going to watch this situation play out and I will be a witness to it. Um, or finding somebody who is an authority, finding someone who can directly affect the situation. Uh, and I know that Chicago Local 134 has talked about that kind of thing of walking with people or um, you know, making sure that everybody feels safe and comfortable. And if you are a Chicago fan who is thinking about going to games during the regular season again, Take bystander intervention training. It's really useful. It's just an hour long. And, um, you know, we have the ability to change this. We have the ability to make this better. Part of that is accountability from the league and from all of the teams. Um, Houston doesn't have another home game until the beginning of May. They have time to rectify this. Uh, but there are just other things we can do every day to, to try to stop bad situations from happening before they start. And I was happy to see that from, from Chicago. Um, proud of them for handling that the way that they did proud of Sarah and her friends for handling it the way that they did. And like Sandra said, you know, is weekend one. And I don't think that these incidences are going to stop. And I think that we just have to, man, just buckle up, put, put your helmet on and we're going to go through this together guys. And we're going to hopefully come out of this with a better more equal, more inclusive space for everybody. Um, so I think that's my piece on all of that. Yeah, 100%. Um, I know you and I, you know, we spoke a little bit off mic about bringing this up on the episode um, that we both felt that it was uh, something important to talk about uh, and bring up that it wasn't something that we could, uh, you know, talk about and recap this game against Houston Dash right. and not address or speak about on this podcast. Um, so I'm glad that we uh, have done it. And I just I just want to remind everyone that, you know, we're coming off of a year mm -hmm. that had a lot of um, a lot of interesting moments of. There were periods of time where people were trying to do the right thing. Right. Right. And. Um, it's new year now. And I just want to remind everyone that that energy needs to keep going. Yeah. Um, 
that we rang in 2021. We're in April now. And racism didn't go away Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, in 2020. In fact, a lot of people were faced with it for the first time and having to unlearn some things and try to become better people. And by extension, hopefully better allies. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't stop in 2021. Uh, If you're one of our listeners and you come here just for Chicago Red Stars content, bless you. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, But you can find these incidents. They have been reported on. Yeah. We're referring to unfortunate cases, uh, you know, with Sydney LaRue and her son Cassius. We're referring to incidents with Jessica McDonald. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're referring to uh, another incident of racism with, with Eddie French. Right. And, and that was a huge example also of bystanders really letting that go and, and not letting that, not taking care of that. Yeah. We need to continue to do better. Yeah. Um, for, for the black players in this league and for marginalized players in this league. And, um, I just want to encourage everyone to just keep the energy going um there's been a lot of discussion about providing the space um and allowing the time in the space to get those things right yeah and uh i think that there's a lot of moving parts to something like this when an incident like this gets reported and um hopefully there will be a resolution to it but like claire said uh, Houston does not have another home match until May. So there's, there's time and there's, there's space here. So, uh, I know that emotions can run high. Um, I know that anger can sometimes, uh, you know, be the most uh, prominent of those at, at moments. Uh, I have to do a lot of uh, work and checking myself on that. Sometimes being reactive isn't always sometimes the, uh, the right first step. And, um, we live in a time where we do we we want the results and we want them now you know so unfortunately we're recording this you know three days later and um we're probably not going to to get that in the manner in which maybe people are craving or want or expect so hopefully there is this ongoing investigation that that's taking place as the league has already reported to and cost all of this sometimes and uh, hopefully there will be an update, not only in policy and procedures, uh, but also perhaps an additional uh, apology, um, because that is a very scary moment. Um, and I can't imagine what uh, you know somebody like Sarah Gordon or her her black friends and family were were feeling um, in that moment. You know, especially away right? You're not, you're not gonna, you're already gonna feel insane because you're not home, like you're, you're away. Um, so I think that there are a number of things that we can point to here that obviously we have with, with Scott's statements and sort of the order of things that people can point to and say, these are good things that happened within this moment. There was, there was a layer of support there for this player um, and her friends and family. And uh, I think that is like this one small silver lining that we could take out the, uh, out of this for now. And hopefully uh, there will be an even bigger <laughs> silver lining that we can point to and say, yes, correct. 
that is great. Um, we need to keep this energy going uh, because this, this sadly, like Claire said, was not, not the first time. And unfortunately we feel like it might not be the last because there is a lot, a lot of, <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of moments where people have to, to apologize and, uh, and then figure out what the next right thing is. All right. Hello, everybody. This is Claire from the future. Uh, Sandra and I recorded this episode midday on Monday, and pretty much exactly after we had finished, the Houston Dash put out a second statement regarding the postgame incident that Sarah Gordon experienced on Friday. Um, Hadn't put the episode out, so I wanted to just insert this in here to keep everything up to date. I'm not going to editorialize on it at all because Sandra's not here, and that doesn't seem fair, but wanted to be as updated as possible and, and not have this be uh, be misrepresenting where we're at at this point. So the Houston Dash at 1.45 p.m. this Monday said, Following last Friday's match between the Houston Dash and the Chicago Red Stars, there was an incident involving a security official and Sarah Gordon from the Chicago Red Stars. Once made aware of the incident, we made a statement about the moments following the match. We recognize now that the initial statement was off the mark, and we apologize to Sarah, the NWSL, and our fans for that. Consistent with league policy, there is a formal investigation underway, and we are fully and openly cooperating, including providing stadium security video and any other information to the league that may be of assistance. We are committed to creating a safe work environment, free from discrimination and harassment, and pending the results of the investigation, we'll take any and all steps necessary to make sure that's the case. Now this evening, around 8.15, 8.20 p.m., Monday evening, uh, the players of the Chicago Red Stars released their own statement uh, across social media, across individual individual pages and, and platforms. And so what they put together is they said, following our match on Friday night against the Houston, Houston Dash, our teammate Sarah Gordon and her boyfriend found themselves in a discriminatory encounter with a security guard at BBVA Stadium. While we acknowledge that all players need to adhere to proper post-game protocols, Sarah was treated inconsistently and inappropriately. It is unacceptable that a player is left in tears due to the actions of a stadium employee. We will not tolerate racism or discrimination. We stand with our teammate and will continue to speak out against unjust and unequal treatment, especially for our teammates of color. Just wanted to keep you guys updated and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. So Chicago, along with having to deal with that post game, now have to prep for a game happening this week in four days. <laughs> Not on 420. Yeah, I know. But on 415 mm-hmm. <laughs> on April 15, uh, they're gonna be facing off against Portland Thorns. And uh mm-hmm. we're talking about some uh post-game things that happened in this using game and for portland they also had some post-game things that happened uh they are going to be without simone charlie morgan weaver and mark parsons as of right now for this game they were all issued red cards throughout throughout their game simone charlie just more due to the fact that there was she just had a bit of a frustrating game yeah second yellow that met a red card uh morgan weaver and mark parsons on the other hand they earned their yellow cards with some much more heated altercations. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, if you only go here for Red Stars content, you should check out some of the Twitter feeds 
of uh, of, of the league. You're going to see some of these heated moments take place. I mean, honestly, I would recommend people if if you didn't see it. I think that really try to go find the full video of what happened starting at, in the corner. Um, you know how you could do that, Claire. How's that? Oh yeah, Sandra, tell us. <laughs> You can do that on Paramount Plus. That's right. You can go to Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus. I did. That's what I did. Yep. And yep. Uh, you can see what we're talking about. There was an altercation uh, between Morgan Weaver and uh, Kristen Edmonds at the end of the game where some red card tempers flared and some red cards were issued. So now Portland looking ahead to their match against Chicago on the road. They're coming to SeatGeek, y'all. So get hyped for that. Uh, they're going to be missing some players on top of already missing international players. Uh, you know, Kristen Sinclair and uh, Lindsay Horan, Crystal Dunn. So they're they're already coming in with a little bit of a with a little bit, I guess, what people would consider a disadvantage. But you know, now we're talking about some of the depth that's taking a hit. So I don't know. I think my outlook for this game might not be too different from the Houston game. I think there's going to be a lot. There's, there's still going to be probably some two teams still trying to figure it out when it comes to this match. Yeah, I think so. I think that it's going to be a little bit choppy. It's, you know, Portland is, is going to be so depleted, um, but they still have some very dangerous pieces. Obviously Rocky Rodriguez, I think is poised to have a huge year. Um, Megan Klingenberg uh, was played out of position and did a good job against Kansas city. Um, It'll probably depend a lot on whether Emily Menges can go. She she didn't play in the in in the for their first match due to a, a lingering injury. Portland has some vulnerabilities for sure that they don't usually have in this match. I'm not sure the performance that Chicago gave against Houston is gonna do it. Um, I think we can see another nil nil draw, maybe. Um, it's said enough to be that way we got yeah trying to figure it i out. think i am looking forward to you talk about some some good rock and rock and soccer colaprico versus rodriguez is gonna be here that's for gonna it. be a battle and i'm yeah. looking forward to it yeah i know we are both uh huge fans of rocky rodriguez and her game and what she brings to the nwsl we have enjoyed watching many former sky blue fc now gotham fc matches where rocky rodriguez has had a time and now we might see that uh, with the Portland Thorns. So, yeah, I think if this was a Thorns podcast, I think you and I would absolutely have that as a player uh, to watch out for, to have an impact for them. I think for Chicago in this game, I don't know, Claire, who do you uh, want to have an impact in this game? Um, you know, I think I'm, I'm going to I'm going to cop out a little bit and, and name a couple players. But I think that the people that we heard were doing cool stuff in preseason. So whether it's Sarah Lubert or Mackenzie Doniak, um, we need a little bit of a spark up top. Um, and that's the thing where it's like, I don't even know if I necessarily need them to like win this game, but we need to see some confidence up there. And I want whoever is feeling good this week in, in training to, to try to bring that energy to the front line. Yeah, no, I think that's a more than fair statement. Uh, yeah, I'm never going to limit us to, <laughs> to to player. Like, yeah, let's just say the whole gosh darn top line, right? Why not? Let's see what happens. Um, yeah, I would also like to continue to see uh, what Aaron Wright is uh, bringing to the yeah. Um, I think that those, were, like, those first games are always going to leave you feeling some type of way, right? And uh, she's someone who is still making her return back to the pitch. And uh, I'm curious to see 
what adjustments, if any, the staff is going to make when it comes to to her, you know, being in the outside back role. I mean, prior to having your beautiful baby boy, Grady, uh, Aaron Wright was kind of almost being viewed as a sort of versatile player for the Red Stars. Uh, we would see her, yes, still start out of the outside back position, but, you know, she was tasked with a long stretches of, of games there where she was playing up top on the top line and trying to uh, add a bit of a different look, an offensive look in the attack for the Red Stars. So, so we'll see what happens here. I'm not too sure if that's maybe going to happen um, in this game with certain players missing still. Um, maybe they're going to have players plugged in in specific positions for specific reasons, right? To be able to sort of gel and, you know, get more familiarity with each other. Um, but we'll see. I, I'd like to see how she she has a run out in her second game uh, compared to the first. So, yeah. so we'll see what happens. Um, I'm also excited uh, to just have soccer come back to Siki. Claire. Yeah. It's going to be cold, man. It's going to be cold. Yeah. You want to go to this game? <laughs> I'm like, I'm wearing a hat. I'm wearing a sweater. I'm wearing a coat. I'm bringing gloves. We'll see. They might have the heat lamps going. Yeah. We'll see how your girls are feeling on that day. Uh, but hopefully it'll be good energy and hopefully it'll be a good game. And of course, like always, we will be back uh, next week to recap the game for you all. So uh, you can get a, a real handle of the vibes that take place during the match. Guys, if you like uh, what you hear, as always, thank you so much for your support. And uh, if you're looking for ways to continue that support, the best way to do that is on our Patreon. Please find a subscription or a tier that works for you. We have plenty starting at $2 all the way to $25. If that's not something that you're able to do right now, I get it. Things are hard for everyone all over. Just know that there's a multitude of ways that you can continue your support of Southside Trap. And you can do that by following us on all social media channels like Twitter and Instagram, Facebook at Southside Trap Pod with one letter P. And then you can also find us on streaming services like Anchor, Spotify, and iTunes. So go ahead and find us, uh, give us a like, uh, subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. That stuff helps us out tremendously whenever we're trying to produce Chicago Red Stars content for you all. So once again, everybody, continue to make good choices, wear your mask, uh, wash your hands, wash your face, get vaccinated when you get the opportunity, and continue your support of Black players and Black life. And we will be back with you soon.